Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, movie fans. This is Nikki Starr in for Betty Jo again today. She's listening, of course, and cheering us on. So we have a timely show for you today. Our guest is Jeff Roberts, film critic. We were going to have Mac Bates today, but he is out, not feeling well, so we're going to send him tons of best wishes, and hopefully he will recover and be better soon. So let me just bring Jeff on. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you, Nikki? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming and doing the show with us. I'm very excited to have you here. So we're going to be talking Oscars, and Jeff is going to give us all of his predictions and all of the insight that he has into the movies. So we're going to go ahead and just get started. So we're going to start the first category. Did you want to start with director? Let's start with best supporting actor. All right. Let's do that. So the five nominees – oh, wait. Let's see. So the five nominees are – you might have to help me with this – Kieran Hines for Belfast, right? Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog, Cody McPhee for The Power of the Dog, Troy Kotzer for Coda, and J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos. What do you think is going to happen here, Jeff? Uh, I think Best Supporting Actor is going to go to Cody McPhee from Power of the Dog. Uh, Cody McPhee has already taken home a Golden Globe and close to 20 uh, Critic Choice Awards for his touching portrayal of Peter Gordon in Power of the Dog. His character is the son of Rose, who is an innkeeper portrayed by Kirsten Dunst, who is ruthlessly pushed around by Phil, portrayed by Benedict Cumberbatch. He's a boorish guest at the inn who doesn't like the fact that that this... uh, character that Smith McPhee portrays is artistic, and the fact that he comes across in his view as homosexual, which is something that uh, his character doesn't uh, like uh, because the person is closeted. Uh, Phil uh, gives constant derision and animosity targeting Peter and Rose, which who also acts as, uh, it acts as one factor that fuels her alcoholism. Possible spoiler in this category is Troy Kutzer, who beat out uh, McPhee at the Screen Actors Awards and became the first deaf actor in history to win that award for portraying the father of Ruby, a young musical prodigy who must choose between her dream of uh, getting into Berkeley for music or continue uh, continue to be the only person who can hear and translate for her deaf parents everywhere they go and stand up for them when need be. That's going to be a great category. I can't wait. All right, so next is Best Supporting Actress, correct? Right. Okay. <laughs> the five nominees are Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog, Ariana DuBose for West Side Story, Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter, uh, I Do Not Know How to Say Anjuan Yu Ellis for King Richard, and Judy Dench for Belfast. All right, Jeff, which one do you think is going to win? Who do you want so to best win? Su- 
Best Supporting Actress, I believe it will go to Kirsten Dunst. Uh, one of the most interesting things I learned during my research came from an interview that Dunst gave NPR's Terry Gross about how she approaches each of her characters. She will write herself letters about the characters she is portraying and try to get a handle on them as she dreams about her work every single night leading up to filming and during the production. She told Gross that she keeps writing those notes until such times that a character becomes clear to her. Dunst recently stated that she had been in contact with Jane Campion, who directs her in Power of the Dog, since she was 20 years old, when the director actually reached out to her about working together on a short film that Dunst said never was produced. It was her dream, she told Gross, to work with Champion. Campion. rather. She also stated in the same interview the reason she identified with Rose, the character she portrays in Power of the Dog, is that Campion allowed her to have creative control and, and that in the director want, wanted the uh, characters that she gravitated to to be raw and uh, Campion knows exactly what she wants and goes to the ugly, unfiltered truth and doesn't want to paint women in a positive light all the time. It's also hard to believe that Dunst, who has been in the film industry since she was eight years old and highly successful, almost left the profession when she was diagnosed with depression when she was 27 years old. She recently told CBS News that she saw herself as always having to be a people pleaser and carry films and also her co-stars to be perfect. She said that she knew, however, that she had to approach her... Um, acting in a different way now. She discovered what she called a more cathartic way of portraying characters and learned how not to be concerned with performing so much, which freed her to do better work, as she does here with Power of the Dog. And that's who you think is going to win? Is that who you want to win, correct? Yes. Okay. Just For both. <laughs> All right, great. Okay, so now you want to go to the best actor? Uh, uh, best actress. Best Actress. All right. I got you. All right. So the nominees for the Best Actress are Jessica Castain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Kristen Stewart for Spencer, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers. All right. So who do you think will win and who do you want to win? I think Olivia Coleman will win, and uh, that's who I sh feel should win. And this category is essentially a two-horse race between Olivia Coleman for her performance in The Lost Daughter and Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos. I identified more with Coleman's character, Lita, who is a psychologically disturbed former professor and becomes obsessed with another family while on vacation in Greece. What really stood out to me is that she envied the relationship that Nina has with her daughter, Alina, and thinks of herself as a horrible mother herself of two daughters that she actually walked out on several years ago. I was shocked that when Alina lo loses her doll on the resort's beach, that she, uh, that uh, Coleman's character purposely took it in an effort to get closer to both of them. I've said this before, that actors who portray people that we already know have trouble dissolving into the role and, cannot, and do imitations. And I feel that uh, Nicole Kidman did that with uh, Lucille Ball and being the Ricardos, and it was just an imitation and not a particularly good one either. Kidman actually tried to have... Uh, to leave that role, rather, at one point, thinking she wasn't suited for it, according to my research. Kidman also faced backlash because she didn't look like Lilsa Ball, and the role was originally meant for Kate Blanchett, who bailed in the end from the project over scheduling issues. Uh, right now, they, they seem to be the two people that could possibly win this uh, Best Actress Award, and I'm going with Coleman because of the uh, better performance. 
All right. Well, thank you for that. Now it's time for Best Actor, correct? <laughs> correct. Okay. So the five nominees are Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth, Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom, Javier Bardem for Being the Ricardos, Will Smith for King Richard, and Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog. So how do you think this competition will turn out, and who do you want to win, Jeff? I want Will Smith to win, and I think that is exactly who will win because he's been the uh, front runner in this category for for quite some time and won most of the major awards for it. Um, he recently won the Golden Globe, uh, NCAACP Award, the Image Award, and Screen Actors Guild Award for his portrayal of Richard Williams, who is Venus and Serena Williams' controversial father, who had a plan for them to be the world's greatest tennis players and to rise out of Compton before they were even born. I identified with the character's quest and constant pressure put on put on both the girls and, and that he preached to them about be, being humble, but he was often egotistical himself and nearly torpedoed their careers before they even started, holding them back in some cases and clashing with experts that didn't always share his views. I recently read a fascinating article written by Wesley Lowry in GQ magazine entitled Introducing the Real Will Smith, where the actor himself um, actually came across as a parallel with his character and having had to and in his own huge ego at the beginning of his acting career and his own plan that he mapped out in the beginning when he first started acting and his uh, set of goals at all costs. And he learned himself the hard way to be humble, much like his uh, character Richard in this film. It also went into detail about him playing a character in public who is not the real Will Smith to please fans and others while his true self is somewhat hidden. I think it really is his award to win or lose here. You know, he he's great. I mean, he's great. So that would just be really, I mean, it would be make me happy because I do love him very much. All right, so um, director, best director, next. Right. Uh, Jane okay. Campion for um, Power of the Dog. Now, when it comes to directing, it's pretty obvious to see why Power of the Dog has been nominated for 12 Academy Awards this year. It is because of Jane Campion's masterful direction, her casting choices, and painstaking adaptation of Thomas Savage's novel by the same name. Campion is an actor's director and minimalist, and isn't rigid with her ideas of how scenes should be shot and how actors should perform them. She knows when to jump out of the way and let her cast develop characters on their own, and allows them to improvise and allows them to add multiple layers on top of their characters as long as it's within the parameters of the story and it, that resembles its source material, which is Savage's novel. Campion nearly retired 12 years ago and hasn't made a film up until now. If it wasn't for a close friend insisting that she read uh, Power of the Dog, the novel, uh, and the, the film adaptation would never have existed. Campion kept being drawn back to its pages and constantly thinking about the themes. I discovered uh, through several articles during my research where she is interviewed by publications such as The Guardian, IndieWire, and Screen Day Daily, where she states that she went on quite a search to find the person who owned the rights to the film. Well, that's wonderful praise for her. That is wonderful praise. All right, so now we're going to get down to business, which everybody always looks for, which is the best picture. So here are the ten nominees for best picture. Belfast, Coda, Dune, 
Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Licorice Pizza, King Richard, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. All right, so what is your pick, Jeff? Uh, For Best Picture, Power of the Dog. Now, Power of the Dog takes place in a frontier town within the state of Montana. That's set in 1925, and it revolves around a character named Phil Burbank, portrayed by Benedict Cumberbatch. He's a cowboy who seems lacking in um, redeeming qualities and appears to be rotten to the very core. The second he arrives in town alongside his brother George, portrayed by Jesse Plemons, he makes an immediate enemy out of an innkeeper portrayed by named Rose, portrayed by Kirsten Dunst, for attacking her son Peter for appearing to be gay. The way that he speaks and for having designed intricate centerpieces for each of the inn's dining room tables, which he sets to blaze when he sees them, is particularly vile towards Rose, who is emotionally fragile, especially after she becomes George's spouse and keeps unraveling before us. Cody McMuffie stills this picture with his performance as Peter, adding multiple layers and quirks, delving deeper than Campion's screenplay itself. Well, I'm very excited. We'll get to see who wins soon. That's great. All right, so there's one other category that we're going to talk about right now, which is the People's Choice Oscars. I I don't have a list of who is in that, or I, I assume that it's a an online voting sort of thing. So if you want to talk about that and then give us your choice or if you're shocked by what's chosen or anything like that, um, right. please so share. So this is indeed a, um, a category where fans were able to vote for their favorite 2021 movie using uh, Twitter as well as a, a website that the Academy set up. Um, it was They chose 10 movies at, at first. They whittled it down to Cinderella, Army of the Dead, Dune, Tick, Tick, Boom, and Spider-Man, No Way Home. Now, I just simply don't get the controversy surrounding the fan-favorite Oscar category in the first place. Sure, it's a gimmick to get people to watch the Oscars, because the ratings have been plummeting for 10 straight years. This category was originally conceived of in 2018, but not implemented because of the backlash from the Academy uh, members. I really don't see fans voting for their favorite film as detracting from the Oscars themselves, or the real Best Picture winner for that matter. Even if the Uh Academy makes a special statue, it will not carry the same weight or level of seriousness that the actual Best Picture Oscar will have. I mean, the Academy has been rather adamant about that being the fact. All it really amounts to is a fun fan pool indicating the public's favorite film for 2021, no more, no less, even if they give it a statue on uh, Oscar night. Now, mainstream audiences gravitate to movies, let's face it, of exotic cars, chase sequences, explosions, and comic book characters especially Spider-Man, which has grossed close to uh, $2 billion so far. Now, they aren't usually watching artistic films or seeking them out. Even worse is that these artistic films don't get major marketing, and unless nominated for major awards, people wouldn't have heard about them or have seen most of the films in limited engagements that are stuck in one or two theaters in major markets in each city. I've also been told by friends and people online that the Oscars have no relevance in their view because the films they go to see and the actors they like in those films and the directors never get nominated. They don't think that in their their opinions matter much to the Academy. This award gives them a voice. 
Now, purists are going to argue that the People's Choice Awards exist for this reason and that the Oscars should only honor the cream of the crop. Now, if this award makes audiences tune in right until the end of the broadcast, it will have succeeded in my view. I think it's a great tool to get people interested in the movie that wins Best Picture, as well as all the performances and directing. If it inspires audiences to see these films that they wouldn't normally, then a fan-favorite category serves a greater purpose. I personally think it's a great idea, and here's the thing. I am a, I am not like you guys. Like, I just love movies. I don't know... Like, I don't know anything like you do. Like, you and Mac both know all the details and stuff. I just know if I love a movie or I don't. And so me having a people's choice at the Oscars will get me to watch it all the way through because sometimes I don't want to. I just wait till the show or the one after. Do you know what I mean? And so I'm right. excited to have that there. And also, I, I'll i make the list. Well, most of the time I just come to you for that. But I'll make a list of, like, what's been nominated this year and what's good. However, it's it's pretty rare, although there have been a few times where the best picture that won was my favorite picture that year. So it's pretty rare. So I'm excited about that, too. I think that'll be yeah, a I'm good excited. addition. Yep. Were you I'm excited about it, too. winning so far? Uh, pardon? What was that question? Were, were you surprised about what was leading in that category? Um, actually, I thought that when this uh, um, People's uh, Choice category first came out that they were looking to crown Spider-Man. Because a lot of people wanted that nominated for, for Best Picture. But the reason it couldn't be is because uh, uh, it was not uh, made available to Academy voters through uh, special screenings or their online portal to view movies because the studio did not want to have any leaks or uh, pirating of the movie, especially because oh. there's uh, three or more um, cameos in the, in the movie that uh, they didn't want people to know about at the time as well. So they're trying to, to um, make it no deep, no possibly. But in the end, they, they shot them in the, in the foot, as Mac pointed out to me recently, because the, the um, people couldn't vote for North American awards or overseas awards, uh, including the Academy Awards for, for Spider-Man, because of uh, the fact that they couldn't even see, see the movie. So I think that they put this yeah. award out there, hoping that that, that Spider-Man would win it. But right now, um, Spider-Man is not leading. It's uh, Cinderella and Army of the Dead that is leading. And um, the data they have for these uh, for the Fan Choice Award, they haven't tabulated everything. They've shown what uh, was number one on the website and the data for that, but they haven't tabulated the Twitter votes yet. So it could go oh. a different way. Okay. I am surprised, although I did love Cinderella. I'm just going to say I did love it. <laughs> it was I love great. it, too. It's told in a in a different way where it's using, um, as part of the, the score and the songs that they sing, sing uh, tunes that were popular, like Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation, uh, Material Girl, um, and others. Um, I also like the fact that uh, the fairy godmother role, which is usually um, almost always played by a female, it's in this uh, movie, uh, a character that could be portrayed by a male, female, or any uh, gender um, identification. And uh, Billy Porter, who originated the role of Lola in the Broadway musical Kinky Boots, is playing, uh, um, playing the 
fabulous godmother in, in this. Yes. And uh, he is absolutely brilliant and a real dynamo of a performer. And uh, it's really worth seeing in, in Cinderella. I would be quite uh, happy with that uh, that one, or Spider-Man 1, or Tick Boom, for that matter, which is the story of Jonathan Larson, who's the playwright who uh, eventually wrote uh, Rent. But it focuses on eight years' worth of his life trying to get this uh, musical off off the ground that uh, that was just not clicking. And then through uh, certain tragic events in his life, it leads towards... Uh, uh, rent. I'm not giving anything away by by saying what uh, most people know is that Larson uh, passed before he ever got to see uh, the phenomenon that uh, that Rent became. So it's everything leading towards uh, Rent for the past eight years, going up to when he he wrote that uh, that uh, play. And what movie is that? That is Tick Tick Boom. Tick Tick Boom. Okay. It's on right. uh, Netflix right now. That's great. Have you seen all these movies? I just want to add to that right quick, and then we'll wrap it up. Have you seen all the movies? I've seen all the movies in this category except for Army okay. of the Dead, and uh, there's also one called uh, Minamata, Minamata that I haven't seen. But I've seen uh, seen the, the majority of the uh, the five movies that they've narrowed it down to from the, the original ten. Uh-huh. Okay, that's great. And then, wait, I have one more question since we have a little bit more time. How many movies do you watch a week, Jeff? How many movies do I watch a week? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, usually I'll go, I'll go to a movie theater, and I will watch uh, every movie they've they've got that week. So it's more or less comes out to to five five a week. I see all the good ones. And I see all the bad ones that uh, I do it so nobody <laughs> uh, has to suffer through those. <laughs> Yeah. And, but do you watch movies at home too, right? Because you. Yes, are, I do. do you, okay, all right. Because I love movies. I usually watch probably. I really watch one a day usually, so at least seven a week. I mean, it. I just you know pick one from Netflix and go. So yeah. But I don't watch television or or uh, Netflix or anything like that because I'm I'm totally into movies and and knowing what's out all year mm-hmm. and, and seeing them that I, I tune out uh, television because uh, it's kind of like overload on top of sure, everything else. Sure, Yeah. And you also like the whole movie experience too, right? Like going to the theater. Yeah, I do. I mean, during COVID, it was just brutal being, uh, you mm-hmm. know, stuck in, inside and you couldn't go to the movie theater just because they had closed everything down and there was lockdowns. And I, I, miss, the, I miss the experience of seeing movies with other people and just uh, mm-hmm. observing how they react to them. Wow, that's awesome. All right, well, I guess we're going to wrap it up. Um, do you have anything else to say about the Oscars before I wrap this up? Well, I have an interesting tidbit about Javier Bardem, who plays Desi Arnaz in uh, Being the Ricardos. He um, actually would dance before every scene that he filmed to try to get uh, Desi Arnaz's uh, movements down. And the thing is that when he was portraying this this role, he would uh, go outside every night, uh, look up at the stars, and pick the brightest one and start talking to Desi Arnaz for 30 to 40 minutes, uh, just staring at the the stars and being grateful that uh, he had the role in the movie and he felt that uh, Desi Arnaz uh, divinely blessed him to uh, to portray the, the role. Because he that didn't feel that he, story. 
because he didn't have. To, I mean, he he uh, is much taller than uh, Arnez, and uh, and also has a different body type. But uh, he uh, really um, excelled in the role, and this is how he uh, went about doing it in preparation. Well, I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. We're going to have to send a shout-out to Mac for quick recovery and also a big shout-out to Nancy Lombardo and Angela Drake, who always mention Movie Attic Headquarters on their own radio shows. Nancy hosts What's the Buzz here on Brog Talk Radio, and Angela hosts a variety of shows on 502 Fallen Angel Radio. And thank you, Jeff, so very much for all the work you put into this show and for coming on the air with me. I'm not feeling so great. Mac didn't show up, and you were such a trooper. I appreciate you so, so much. Really, I oh, Thank you very much. It's a You're pleasure to, to be involved in the program. All right, and don't forget to watch the Oscars on Sunday, March 27th. So that's all now for now, folks. Be safe, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon.